Welcome to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. In this podcast, financial planner Peter Raskin helps families and business owners understand and prepare for their wealth journey. Along the way, thoughtful and detailed planning can provide clarity and confidence as clients confront a multitude of financial decisions. Listen in as Peter shares stories and insight into people's wealth journeys. Now, let's get into today's podcast. Hello and welcome to Wealth is in the Details with Peter Raskin from Raskin Planning Group. Today, we're talking about financial assumptions. Good morning, Peter. How are you? I'm great, Eric. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. I heard you were on vacation for a little bit. I was. had a, just a, a wonderful time away and got to spend the whole time with my wife and just, just a great, great trip. That is awesome. And uh, I was a little bit jealous because you and I were talking before the podcast started and, and I heard you spend some time in Italy. Oh, Yeah, we love Italy. Man, we, my wife and I haven't been yet and that's definitely on our bucket list. It's something we want to do. Just beautiful, beautiful stuff. So welcome back. I'm so glad you're back safe and sound and uh, that you had a wonderful time with your wife. That is always important to get that relationship time in. And as, as new empty nesters, my wife and I are looking forward to that. <laughs> oh, <it's, laughs> it, it is the best. All right. Uh, okay. Financial assumptions. That's, that's the topic for today. What are we talking about? Yeah, you know, I've thought about this a lot. Is, is there are certain financial assumptions that we all make? I think of these as kind of our biases, things that mm-hmm. we might have heard. And and one of those assumptions that I that 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 can cost you is the assumption that you should never spend principal, that that you should always live off of interest and dividends. Wouldn't that be nice? Yes. <laughs> it sure uh, would be. Yeah, if, if we could do that, that would be fantastic. So what happens if we kind of stick to these, I don't, would you call them fallacies? Well, for some people, they may actually be the right plan for them. Okay, true, true. So um, I wouldn't say they're fallacies for everyone. I, I would say that we shouldn't take a broad stroke and, and assume that mm-hmm. that's what everyone should do. Yeah. And, and so talking about you know, living off the interest and you know, being able to do that, that's great. But again, for a lot of people, that's not realistic. Everybody needs to consult their professional advisor. And if you are listening to this podcast and you don't have one yet, or you don't have faith in the one that you do have, Peter's very open to a phone call. By all means, uh, uh, give his team a call and, and uh, make an appointment. But Peter, you and I have talked about retirement a few times before during these podcasts. And in those conversations, you talk about structuring an income plan during retirement. And to me, it seems pretty complicated. I know you've explained it very well but there seems to be a lot of options. And I think that what makes it even more complicated is that clients often have multiple objectives that they have to, to reach, right? I mean, we want to have a great retirement. We want to do some traveling. We want to give stuff to the kids and to the grandkids and to charity and, and, and whatever. Um, I mean, everybody has their own things, but there are other goals that we want to, you know, take care of, which is, you know, protecting the principal and wanting to, like I said, leave those assets to children or grandchildren Peter, what, what are your thoughts about some of these issues when it comes to your clients? Yeah, I mean, I think this is always a dilemma is that we, we, we start a, a discussion with clients and clients often want to do everything. And that makes perfect sense. We all want to do everything. <laughs> um, and, and it's also a, a transition time. So when you're moving from being an accumulator, a saver, an investor during these pre-retirement years. And, and that can last a long time, you know, 20, 30, 40 years. Mm-hmm. So 
all of a sudden, as you approach retirement or as you, 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 you ret- actually retire, your, your focus has been on building this nest egg. But the issue is, at, that po- at some point, you're no longer going to have earned income, and we now have to become spenders. Mm-hmm, exactly. And that's really emotionally difficult for a lot of us. All of a sudden, we're retired, and there isn't a paycheck. And we've just been spent, we've been spending so much of our time focusing on building, uh, again, this nest egg and watching it grow consistently, possibly because of market returns, you know, good investments, but primarily because we've just been consistently saving to our portfolio. And it's really hard to, to, to wake up one day and all of a sudden start withdrawing as opposed to depositing. Mm-hmm. And that's really a hard transition for, for a lot of people. Yeah, I, I think there would be a lot of trepidation or you know some fear involved because, like you said, there's no paycheck coming in again necessarily, and and so it's just constantly going down, right? In 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 in, a, in one fashion, when you're withdrawing your funds to live on, it would be hard to watch that happen. I think. Yeah, exactly. So you know, people want to just I, I call it turning on the income spigot, and uh, and do they want to replace all of their their earned income and. They've been told, they've heard that that maybe they shouldn't spend their principal. They should live off of interest and dividends, and and then they'll be fine. And many clients they they want to avoid as much investment risk as possible at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So over the years, they've been investors, they've been taking risk, and then they're saying, "Oh, no longer, I'm not taking taking any more risk, and I'm just going to live off of interest." And a lot of our clients come to us with with a clear desire to leave um, assets to their children, which is a natural, important objective. However, the problem is is that for many retirees, it just isn't possible to do to meet a hundred percent of these objectives. How do you help a client navigate through that to make the decision on what you know uh, what to prioritize? Yeah, I think that's really the that's the the real question is how, what do you prioritize? Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the best way to, to 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 describe that is maybe give you an example of of, of yeah, a client. Do. Yeah. So, um, you know, we we can get current income from investment accounts like bonds and CDs and money market accounts and dividends from stocks, but unfortunately, there just may not be enough interest income and dividend income to, to really support all, all the needs of a client. And so here's, here's the, this example. We've got um, Jim and Rita Robinson, and they need an, an additional $4,000 per month or $48,000 per year of, of additional income in excess of their Social Security and any pension that they're receiving. Mm-hmm. So they've worked out their budget in, in their analysis, they need an extra $4,000 per month. And we then look at their portfolio, and they've been great savers. They've done a wonderful job. They've, they've saved $2 million in financial assets. And that's not an easy task and, and is quite, frankly, pretty significant. That's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. And they should be happy about that. But let's look at, at, at the specific situation right now in the world we live in. Uh, the current dividend yield on portfolios of, of large company U.S. stocks, here I'm thinking specifically about the, the S&P 500 stock index, 
that dividend yield is about 2%. It's an income stream, but it's it's not that high. It's 2%. Really <laughs> Seems really, really small. Yeah. 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 And, and right now, um, U.S. Treasury bonds, which are guaranteed bonds that uh, are as safe as can be, There's, as, 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 they're the safest instrument in the world for the most part. And uh, bonds that mature in 10 years are also yielding about 2%. So if we have a portfolio of stocks in U.S. government bonds, that portfolio might currently yield about 2% in total. So 2% of $2 million is actually $40,000 per year. That's less than the $48,000 that the client needs. Mm -hmm. Then the, the other important um, issue is that's pre-tax. So they're going to have to pay taxes on their $40,000. And let's just for illustration purposes, say that the, the marginal tax rate for this client is, is 20%. Uh, some clients, it may be, may be higher, but mm -hmm. in this case, it's 20%. So the net yield after tax is $32,000. So of the $40,000, $8,000 is, is going to be paid in taxes. Mm -hmm. So that means they're getting $16,000 less than what they need. So this $2 million portfolio, again, pretty significant, if they're just living off the interest and the dividends and the yield from it, is, uh, is not getting them to, to what they want. Yeah. And if we look at this, it, like most clients, not all of their money is in non-retirement accounts. Many of our clients have significant holdings in retirement accounts like IRAs or 401ks. And if that's the case, then the tax rate may actually be a, a bit higher, increasing this spending deficit. Yeesh. That's, so, I mean, that's, that's a $2 million example. What would the Robinsons do or what would you suggest that they do in this situation? Well, you know, as usual with financial planning, there isn't, isn't one answer. And uh, it's usually much more complicated than, than what we can go over in, in a short podcast. So, so just let me say that so much is based upon specific circumstances of the client. In this case, and in most cases, frankly, we're looking at, at four different solutions for, for, the, for, the, for the Robinsons. All right. So the first solution, and is not all of these are attainable, but uh, the Robinsons, if they increase their investment portfolio from $2 million to $3 million, they can solve all their, their problems. So at a 2% million, at a 2 yield, a $3 million portfolio will provide after-tax income of about $48,000. Yeah, but that also sounds like they have to go get a scratch ticket or something. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, it's <laughs> winning the lottery or inheriting the money, and that just may not be possible. Yeah, so yeah. that may have been an, an important goal 20 years ago, and exactly. maybe there's something that we could have done to, to help them get there. But in any event, um, they've got $2 million. They're retired. They're probably not going to have a lot more. Mm -hmm. So- Another solution is to reduce their expenses. And in part of that may be paying less in taxes, but my experience is that the clients really don't want to, they don't want to spend less money in retirement. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean they're, they're coming to you with a budget and maybe you can suggest a few things or you can say, well, that, that's great. You need 48,000 afterwards. What did you base that on? And, and maybe they have like, well, we definitely want to spend about $1,000 in coffee every month. Well, maybe there, there's some room to, to move, you know, some things in the budget, but you're right. I mean, they're, they're already coming to you with kind of, this is our plan. This is how we want to be able to live. 
And that suggestion probably doesn't go over real well, I assume. Yeah, maybe we can make some adjustments. Maybe for 10 years, they're spending what they want now. And maybe we reduce that in the future. So there's mm-hmm. some some nuance there and we can we can make those adjustments. But for this discussion today, reducing expenses may not be what they want to do. Yeah. So what's what's our third option? Third option is to increase their income. And All that right. can be done by returning to work. Uh, they may not want to do that either. Mm-hmm. Or they could increase their income by investing a little bit more aggressively in higher yielding stocks and, and, and bonds. So, mm-hmm. so stocks and bonds that might provide a bit extra income. So that may come with a little bit of extra volatility or risk. And some clients, once they understand that, may or may not be comfortable but uh, I think it's important to note that it is possible to currently provide a, a, a portfolio yield in excess of 2%. Mm-hmm. In this example, uh, the, the, the clients, maybe we could redu- increase the, the yield from 2 to 2.5%. So not a dramatic increase. But anyway, the, just a half a percentage point in, in, in yield will reduce this income deficit from 16000 to 8000 Oh, so, really? Just half a percent? Yeah. Wow. That's a big so, change for a small, for a small change there. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So so it can make a big difference. All right. And so that's, just, that's, an, that's another option. So maybe reduce expenses by a little bit, maybe increase the yield on the portfolio a little bit. The, other, the, the, the fourth option is to spend a little bit of principal each year. And um, th- I think this becomes a reasonable strategy if the, if the Robinsons are willing over time to spend down their assets. And what I really mean by that is that uh, instead of leaving their children $2 million, they might have to leave their children less. Mm-hmm. So we would structure a, uh, a spend down strategy so that it's likely that instead of having $2 million left um, when at the end, at, at, at their ages, 95 or 100 or whatever, however long they live, then instead of having, leaving their children uh, 2 million, they're leaving them 1 million. Mm-hmm. And for, for many of our clients, that's absolutely fine. Others are less excited about that, but that's, it's just one of the solutions. So we also should assume, at least I believe we should assume, that the portfolio is actually generating returns that are in excess of just interest and dividends. Mm-hmm. So it's reasonable to think a, a portfolio of stocks will also appreciate in value over time. So okay. if the stocks are generating a 2% dividend yield currently, it's reasonable to expect that over a, a market cycle, say 7 to 10 years, that the stock portfolio might appreciate on average another 1, 2, 3, 4%. And that can make up for the spend down of the principal. Uh, it's certainly not guaranteed, mm-hmm. but I think it's a reasonable expectation. Got it. So if the Robinsons spend uh, 2% of their portfolio, which is the yield, their dividends and interest, and then spend maybe an additional 1% of principal each year, they can also meet their, their income need of $48,000. Got it. So given, and- given these facts... And it's just an example, but given these facts, it's not that hard to to meet this client's objective. Um, Just making some nuanced changes to the uh, the objectives and the assumptions. 
Yeah. And, and you use the term spend down strategies. Uh, and I've heard you use that before. What are other, are there other spend down strategies besides just kind of, and I know you don't just pick a random percentage out of a hat, Peter, but is there, are there other spend down strategies that you suggest? Well, some things that we we often um, will talk to our clients about. These are just options. Some of our clients might want to include a uh, a lifetime income annuity as one of the investment Mm -hmm. options within their overall plan. Mm -hmm. So income annuities are insurance contracts. They they promise to make a a regular income payment uh, to a contract owner based on the annuitant's age and the amount deposited uh, with the insurance company. And so each payment that the client receives will consist of both interest and principal mm. and can be guaranteed for the lifetime of, of the annuitant or for a set period of years. And so what you're doing is you're spending down your principal each and every year and you're receiving a bit of interest. The advantage of the income annuity is that you can never run out of the out of money if you choose the lifetime income um, stream. Well, that's nice. Yeah. So these annuities they have surrender charges or, or could be additional fees. They have limited liquidity, but if structured properly, they can really provide income that the owner just can't outlive. Yeah, and and you you and I've talked about this before. There are good annuities and there are bad annuities. And anybody listening to this, again, don't just think that, you know, it's, it's like going to the local grocery store and picking an annuity off the shelf. Definitely, there are hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of types of annuities, and you definitely need to work with a professional if you're thinking about that. Yeah, they're very complicated. Uh, you just want to make sure that you've got the, the right fit. And so one advantage, disadvantage of the annuity is that your heirs may not inherit any remaining principal if you die prior to life expectancy. So there are advantages and disadvantages and you really need to, to look mm-hmm. at, 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 at what your goals and objectives are. But I think the, the point here is that as a portion of your overall portfolio, uh, the income annuity might help this income deficit problem. Got it. Uh, another strategy that we, um, we see, and this is, here I'm trying to describe a strategy that really doesn't take into account yield on your investments at all. So it's a really a different approach. I call it a goal-based strategy or a bucket approach. Got it. And when using this strategy, we really aren't concerned about current yields or interest. They are what they are. But here we, we allocate a pool of funds to a specific investment based upon the, the time horizon, the necessary time horizon of that bucket. So this is just an example. Um, So if we're trying to fund retirement uh, for 25 years, so we're trying to get 25 years worth of retirement income, uh, in this case, we might establish three different investment buckets with with different return and risk objectives. So bucket one might be invested in cash and Mm -hmm. and short-term safe bonds. A bucket two could be invested in a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds. And bucket three could be invested primarily in a portfolio of stocks. So three different investment objectives. When we look at bucket one, bucket one should have enough cash and bonds to fund five years worth of living expenses. So we're putting them into a, a, a fairly safe investment strategy that's liquid, that's very conservative, low risk, 
And all of this, all of the distributions that the client needs would come from bucket one. So it's likely that bucket one principle will be drawn down each year. Mm, okay. And if you don't replenish bucket one after five years, it'll probably be worth zero. So what we want to do, we want to then look to our book at bucket two. So bucket two could be invested in a balanced portfolio of stocks and bonds. And this bucket will have enough assets to fund, let's say, 10 years of living expenses. Got so it. each year, we'll transfer monies from bucket two to bucket one. Okay. So in a year where bucket two has positive performance, we move dollars from bucket two to bucket one to recapitalize bucket one. If bucket two has negative performance in a given year, maybe we hold off transferring to bucket mm -hmm. one and letting bucket two recover from this bad investment strategy or this bad investment Got result. It. Got it. Okay. Okay. And we, let's take a similar approach with bucket three, which is going to be more aggressive. It's going to have, uh, again, 10 years worth of living expenses. This pool of funds will be invested in a portfolio that's primarily in stocks. Therefore, it's much more volatile. Mm. And if, if, stock, if the stock market does well, bucket three will do well. If the stock yeah. market does poorly, bucket three will do poorly. In, in, in good years, well, we can recapitalize bucket two. In bad years, let's defer. Let's let, for, let's let the stock market recover. It might take one, two, or three years. And we'll let the, the stock market recover. And then we'll transfer monies from bucket three to bucket two. Hmm. All right. So in this case, what you can see is that we're not concerned as much about yield. We're trying to appropriately uh, invest the portfolio based upon the objectives and goals of the client. Hmm. So no guarantees that any of this will work in any given year. But over time, this strategy can, can really lead to some, some nice results. All right. Now, the, the, the buckets is a great example. We've talked about it a little bit before uh, on a previous podcast, um, and this is much clearer as far as you, you kind of went into detail here, and I love it. But I, I do have a question. When we're talking about spend down strategies, obviously, we're talking about spending down. You've spoken before on past podcasts about inflation and how that is a big risk uh, to retirees. So how does inflation play into a situation where you have to talk to a client about using a spend down strategy? Yeah, really important question. So, you know, in my opinion, I've mentioned this before, inflation is like a slow leak from a tire mm -hmm. uh, or in this case, a portfolio. And it, to me, it's the retiree's biggest long-term risk. It, it, and it really speaks to the primary, primary reason that clients need to have a healthy allocation to investments that provide returns and yields that are in excess of inflation. Mm -hmm. So stocks have market volatility, but over most seven to 10 year periods, they provide returns from dividends and capital appreciation that does beat inflation. Unfortunately, um, guaranteed accounts like CDs, like money markets, like savings accounts, and uh, very, very uh, conservative bonds like U.S. government bonds just don't ex just don't um, provide returns that exceed inflation. Mm. So we have to include these asset classes that uh, may be volatile, may go up and down, but they do provide that hedge and uh, and provide returns that are in excess of that inflation number. Mm. So um, it does, in the long run, 
really help with the probabilities that the clients can meet their income and their estate planning objectives. Peter, when people are listening to this, there there are some folks out there guaranteed. In fact, I, I know a couple that would be very hesitant to even open the conversation because it's almost like they know that there's kind of some bad news that they may be receiving. You know, they maybe they don't have enough in their in all their savings and all their investments. And they they see that coming, but they it's almost like they want to put their head in the sand, right? Um, what would you say to encourage them just to at least open the conversation to find out what they can possibly do about it and maybe start some solution-oriented conversations? Yeah, so I, th- I think this is where we really start. So p- to us, planning, uh, comprehensive planning helps our clients really put together the, the best strategies. Mm-hmm. So it, it's this idea that we can look at the, at the big, big picture, understanding what their cash flow objectives are, what their needs are today, tomorrow, and five and 15 and 20 years from now. In that way, by, by bringing it all together, we're really able to get the best solution um, for our clients. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we do. So a plan is really important, we think, to, to, to put it all together and really decide the strategy that's most appropriate. And the other thing that's really vital in this whole process is to review this plan on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, life is full of changes. Uh, circumstances change, needs change, um, objectives change, uh, your, your feelings about risk change. And so we want to make sure our clients are reviewing these plans just like they go to the doctor each year and get a, um, get a checkup. Uh, mm-hmm. It's really important to, to get checked relative to your financial plan and, and making sure that the proper revisions are being made, that the proper adjustments are, are, are being made based upon any circumstances that, that, that happen. So the annual review to us is, is vital. Yeah, absolutely. I, I liken it to also, I mean, your example is beautiful by having that annual review and, and likening it to a doctor. I always think about uh, vehicles, to be, to be quite honest. You're driving your car, and if you suspect there could be something possibly wrong, um, or you have concerns about your vehicle, uh, most people wouldn't hesitate to say, you know what, I, I need to get this checked out by a mechanic. We, we go to a professional and have them look it over. And maybe the mechanic's going to say, oh, yeah, no, it was, it was just a, you know, a loose whatever, and we just tighten it up, not a big deal. Uh, or it's, nope, you definitely need to have this, this work done. But that's so much easier to do. But people don't think about the fact that their investments, their savings, the things that they have worked for for the last 20, 30, 40 years, that's their vehicle to retirement. And if that vehicle, <laughs> if you have concerns about that vehicle, you should be seeing a professional just like you would see a mechanic. So I encourage everybody to, to, to drive right into uh, Peter's office and ask him some questions. Uh, Peter, how do they get a hold of you if they decide to to reach out? Yeah, um, please please call us six one seven seven two eight seven four three three or uh, send an email uh, at uh, peter dot raskin at lfg dot com. Uh, visit our website and uh, download our white paper and uh, make make a connection if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. It would definitely uh, benefit you. To, to start this relationship process. Uh, thank you so much, Peter, for your time. Thank you, Eric. You bet. And thank you all for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast with Peter Raskin. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Peter comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. 
This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Raskin Planning Group, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealth is in the Details podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Peter Raskin is a registered representative of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Securities offered through Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation, a broker, dealer, member SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Sagemark Consulting, a division of Lincoln Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Insurance offered through Lincoln Affiliates and other fine companies. Raskin Planning Group is not an affiliate of Lincoln Financial Advisors. Lincoln Financial Advisors Corporation and its representatives do not provide legal or tax advice. You may want to consult a legal or tax advisor regarding any legal or tax information as it relates to your personal circumstances.